would encourage the rest of us, grab your Bibles, turn to Acts 22. Acts 22 is where we're going to be. We're actually going to cover most of the chapter today. Yes. As you're turning there, I want to share something with you. One of, one of the things I love the best as a pastor, one of the things that I get to do that I love the most is I get to hear people's stories. If, if you've been in my house or I've probably met you for coffee for the first time, um, I've probably asked you this question. Hey, tell me how you came to know Jesus. If you tell me that you're a Christian, that you have faith in Christ, I ask you this question. Tell me how you came to trust in Jesus. I love asking that question. I love to hear the testimony of people. I love for them to share with me how God divinely intervened in their lives to radically transform them, and they find hope in Christ and Christ alone, and it changes everything. I love to hear those stories. We're going to look at a story today, the Apostle Paul, as he shares his story of how God worked divinely in his life to call him to faith. And, and here's the thing. As we look at this today, here's, here's what I want us to do. For If you are a Christian, if your faith and trust is in Jesus, I want you to consider your story. I want you to remember your story and think how God has divinely intervened and just remember that. And I pray that it just wells up in you in absolute adoration for who God is. If you're not a Christian here this morning, here's what I want you to think about. God is writing your story. This morning, quite possibly, could be a part of it. If God calls you to faith, today is part of your story. And I want you to think about that and bask in that. In our passage today, we see Paul being persecuted. He's used to this. He has the opportunity to share his testimony of how he came to faith in Jesus. And it's miraculous. But I would argue it's no more miraculous than you or I in our story. In our story. How God has worked in our story. So here's, here's what I want to do this morning. We've got a lot to read. I'm going to pull up just a couple of things for us to think about this morning. I'm not going to completely exegete uh, Acts 22. I, I don't have time for that. But we're going to look at the goodness of God in this and Paul's story. And maybe we can find some things that would encourage us and help us when we share our story. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to read Acts 22, almost all of it. And then we're going to, we're going to talk about some beautiful things that we see here. So if you would just pray with me. Father in heaven, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we can gather in a public school and we can open your word. We thank you. I thank you for the Apostle Paul that, that you divinely called him on that road to Damascus and, and that we get to read about his life and his story here this morning. But God, I thank you for our story, for, for my story. And, and I think I know all of us that are believers in you, we're thinking about how we came to faith in you and how you divinely worked in our lives when we were enemies of you. And Father, I thank you for those that are here that are maybe not believers, but God, you are working and, and writing their story of how you work. So Father, help us to not make light of it. And Lord, I pray that we go out of here with just another tool that we can make much of you and, and, and that our affections for you are stirred and that we worship you with all that we are. And it's in Christ Jesus' name that we pray. 
Amen. Acts 22, you guys there? All right, well, let's read God's Word this morning. Remember, Paul, is, is he's in Jerusalem. He's trying to, to share the gospel there. He's, he's kind of got beat up, and they're about to take him into the barracks, and he says, hey, i got something to say. And here we are with his, what he has to say. He addresses the people. Brothers and fathers, hear the defense that I now make before you. And when they heard that, that he was addressing them in, he, in the Hebrew language, they became more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus in Cilicia, brought up, at, up in this city, educated at the feet of Gamaliel, according to the strict manner of the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, as all of, of, of you are this day. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering to prison both men and women, as the high priest and the whole council of elders can bear witness. From them I received letters to the brothers, and, and I journeyed towards Damascus to take those also who were, were there and bringing them and bring them in bonds to Jerusalem to be punished. As I was on my way, and I drew near to Damascus about noon, a great light from heaven suddenly shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. Now those who were with me saw, saw the light, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, rise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all that is appointed for you to do. And since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus. And one Ananias, a devout man according to the law, well spoken of by all of the Jews who lived there, came to me and standing by me said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very hour I received my sight and, and saw him. And he said, The God of our fathers appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous, righteous one, and to hear a voice from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him to everyone of what you have seen and heard. And now, why do you, why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. And when I had returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple, I fell into a trance and I saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly because they will not accept your testimony about me. And I said, Lord, they themselves know that in one synagogue after another, I imprisoned, I am, another, I imprisoned and beat those who believed in you. And when the blood of Stephen, your witness, was being shed, I myself was standing by and approving and watching over the garments of those who killed him. And he said to me, Go. For I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Up to this word, they listened to him. Then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth. That means kill him. For he should not be allowed to live. And as they were shouting and throwing off their cloaks and flinging dust into the air, the tribune ordered him to be brought into the barracks, saying that, he should be examined by flogging 
to find out why they, are, why they were shouting against him like this. When they had stretched him out for, for the whips, Paul said to the centurion who was standing by, Is it lawful for you to flog a man who is a Roman citizen and uncondemned? When the centurion heard this, he went to the tribune and said to him, What are you about to do? For this man is a Roman citizen. So the tribune came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman citizen? And he said, Yes. The tribune answered, I bought this citizenship for a large sum. Paul said, But I am a citizen by birth. So those who were about to examine him withdrew from him immediately. And the tribune also was afraid, for he realized that Paul was a Roman citizen and that he had bound him. This is God's word. What an incredible passage of Scripture where Paul is given the opportunity to share how God has rescued him. What a beautiful passage of Scripture. Now remember that Paul knew that, that he was going to go to Jerusalem. Uh, several weeks ago we talked about this, that, that there was a prophet that, that said, hey, you're going to go to Jerusalem, you're going to be bound, the people are going to hate you. Paul knew this, and he went anyway. And this is happening here. He, he understood the assignment, so to speak, right? To follow Christ. In fact, he, he writes about his assignment in the book of Ephesians. Listen to what he writes to the Ephesians chapter 3, verses 7 through 10. He knows his assignment. He says, of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am, I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all, th all things so that the, through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Paul knew his assignment. And he looked at it going, I'm going to take every opportunity I can to share what I know to people. Now look at, I want you to consider where he is. He's, he's being mobbed. These, these Roman soldiers had to come rescue him because the people were about to kill him, right? He's being mobbed by the people and almost beaten to death. But he uses this opportunity to share his testimony about how he came to faith in Jesus. How he was an enemy of God, and God came and rescued him. Miraculous. He shares his background here too. I love how he does that. He talks about who he used to be. And by all worldly standards, Paul was an awesome guy. He had it all. He was a Jew. He, was, he knew had all of this training. He was a religious leader, but yet he was an enemy of God because by godly standards, he was the absolute opposite of what God deemed him to be. Do you see how God miraculously intervened here? He's on his way to persecute Christians, to bring them to be beaten and killed. And yet Jesus comes to him. He, he shares how Jesus divinely sought him out in the midst of his wretchedness. And Jesus graciously, graciously showed him his sin. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That's an, a direct accusation of sin against a holy God. 
but he shows him grace and mercy as well in his story here. And God transformed him and called him into a higher calling, a a calling greater than anything in this world. Paul understood the assignment. He shares how God equipped him and used him to be a part of something greater than himself. And he does it by telling his story. He shares, this is who I was. This is Christ. And how he came and sought me out. And he changed me. This is Saul's testimony. And if you're a Christian, every one of us has a testimony. And it is unique. And it should be. Your story is different. That's why I love to hear these stories. I love to hear them. I want to hear your story. Because your story is different than mine. I want to hear these things. And I love to hear how God amazingly works in the lives of people. It's an amazing thing about one's testimony. That there is this uniqueness that often invites people in. It's the neat thing about testimonies. And, and people love stories, right? They love stories. But here's the problem is, is that we, we love stories about ourselves, right? I like to tell about the big fish that I catch and all of those things. We love stories about ourselves, right? But, but here's the thing. When it comes to our testimonies, we need to remember that, that although the story is unique to us and it involves us, ultimately it is about God and His goodness. Your testimony is not about you. Hear me in this. Your testimony is not about you. It's about God. It's about God. This is the first realization that we need to consider. It certainly pertains to you, but you are not the hero in the story. You're the villain. Jesus is the hero. Notice that that Paul points this out, that Jesus is the hero in his story, and Paul is the villain. Do you see that? I, I was an enemy of the way, which is the way, which is the followers of Jesus. I was an enemy of that. He, he points this out. And then he points out that here comes this hero, Christ Jesus. I love how Paul says this in Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 11. He says, for while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. And that's all of us, right? Paul's talking about all of us. He says, we're weak. We're ungodly, but here is the hero, Christ Jesus. He says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we we were still sinners, the enemies of God, the villains, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Jesus is the hero. Since much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. When you think about your testimony, is Jesus the hero? Do you see yourself as the villain? 
Because you are. And I think when we don't realize that, we, we make a mockery of the, the kingship of Jesus. See, your testimony is not about God, uh, how God and the gospel fits into your story. It's, it's about how your story fits into the greater story of God and His holy reconciliation. Your, your testimony is an avenue to share the goodness of God. And when you share your testimony, that's what it should be. When you share your story, make Jesus the hero. Here's the second thing I want us to see here. Your testimony matters. Your testimony matters. Paul has this very unique testimony, doesn't he? This incredible testimony. It's amazing and it's powerful. I mean, you think about this. I would think that none of us have a, I don't have a testimony quite like Paul's. I wasn't on my way to kill Christians and this bright light shone around me and I get knocked off of there. But, but here's the thing, that's okay. That's okay if we don't have this, this wild, elaborate testimony like Paul's. Praise God our testimonies are not like Paul's. Amen? Praise God they're not like that. Right? Our stories are unique, and if, if here's the thing: if we firmly believe that we are we are not the hero in our stories, but Jesus is, then our stories matter. Our stories matter because the one that we're telling the story about matters. He matters. You think about the Paul's this crazy testimony, really. I just mentioned it, but just, I mean, you just think about this. Paul thinks he's this great religious leader. He obtains letters from these other religious leaders, and he's going to persecute Christians. He's on a mission, thinking he's doing great things, and he's almost there about the middle of the day. Jesus comes in a bright light and drop kicks him off of his horse. Maybe not, but I know it knocked him off his horse. And he's blinded. And these other guys are with him, and they're, I imagine what they're going, what in the world is happening here? What's happening here? And he hears Jesus say, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he answers, who are you, Lord? It's a wild testimony. There's a story about how God just transforms him and, 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 and how people are pouring into him. It's such a neat story that we have here. But often, often, most of us say, my story is nothing like that. In fact, many of us will probably argue that prior to coming to faith, we were soiling our diapers and, and being disobedient to our parents, right? I don't understand why people come to me and go, Josh, I have this really boring testimony. I was raised in church, and, and I met Jesus in, in second grade and in vacation Bible school. Praise God. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. Except a lot of people think about this. My, my parents, my parents shared the gospel when I was a little kid. I grew up in a believing home, and man, my parents heaped the gospel on me. Praise God for that. People say, well, I wasn't a mafia hitman, or I wasn't on skid row and strung out or anything. Praise God for that. It's okay. Your story is still a huge story. Some people say, well, I was just in kids' ministry and a, and a faithful teacher to share the gospel week after week and, 
and told me that I was a sinner under God's wrath and that forgiveness is found only in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And I placed my faith in Him. Praise God for that powerful testimony. Because remember, it ain't about you. See, to downplay Jesus' power of salvation in our lives uh, because we don't have a big story is a lie because when we think that, we are misunderstanding the weight of sin. The seriousness of sin is measured not by the act or in comparison with other sins. Sin is measured by the one in whom it is committed against. That's sin. And every one of those littles back there in our kids' ministry are guilty of that. But praise God that there are people faithfully sharing the gospel with them. Here's what this means. The hardened murderer or rapist is in no greater need of salvation than the young child right back there hearing the gospel in our kids' ministry right now. Those kids need the gospel just as much. They need forgiveness of their sins just as much as the person on death row right now. No different. See, when God calls people to faith from Skid Row or from Vacation Bible School, it is a miracle. It's a miracle. We get to share this. Paul says this to the letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. And this is all of us, among whom we all once lived in the possessions and the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of my, mankind. You're the enemy. All. All here. Listen to the hero in the story. Verse 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show his immeasurable riches in his grace and kindness towards us. In Christ Jesus. Here's the thing, church. We, we easily misunderstand grace because when we, we often make it too small. We make it too small. We act as, we act as if the only act of grace and, and conversion and our salvation is being forgiven of sin. But I want you to think about this. Meanwhile, here's the thing. We miss all the incredible acts of grace it took to bring us to that point. People faithfully loving and caring for us and sharing the gospel. If you're taking notes, you want to, just a side note of this, just write down Isaiah 43.4. Go read that one later. Here's the thing. It's an incredible act of God's grace that anyone, anyone hears the gospel at all. It's, it's an incredible act of grace. Your salvation is a miracle of grace and is no less more a miracle than the greatest or least of sinners. And that story matters. It matters. Because it's a miracle. And here's the last thing I want us to see. Man, we need a right perspective of results. 
a right perspective of results. And I look at here at the last part of, of Acts 22 here. Paul shares his testimony, right? He shares his testimony and look at the results. They get angry, don't they? Let's kill him. He doesn't even belong here. Let's kill him. And, and then these Roman citizens, they, these Roman soldiers, they're going to take him in. Hey, let's just beat it out of him. Why are they so angry? Let's just beat it out of him. What kind of logic is that? Huh? It seems that no one came to Christ and were only more ambitious against him and the truth he proclaimed. They wanted to beat him more. And, and even the Roman guards were, 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 they were going to beat him. That didn't stop Paul because he had a story to tell about a king of kings and lord of lords, about a hero of heroes. He didn't get discouraged. And the reason is he knew his role and he knew God's role. His role wasn't to save people. His, his role was to share the message of salvation. And he left the results up to God. And here's the thing. We, we can often get very discouraged with our own testimony and sharing of the gospel. when We don't see results. I feel it. Prayed this morning. God, would you just save today when the gospel is shared? Would you just save? Why are people not believing? We ask this. Here's the truth. Why people aren't believing? Salvation is not up to us. And praise God it's not. Oh, what a relief. There's several places in Scripture that tells us Psalm 3.8 is one of those. It says salvation belongs to the Lord. It don't belong to you. It's not yours. It's His. He does the work. We need to trust in that. Here's some confidence here. There's a, there's a book that I've given all the guys in our preaching cohort. I believe all of them have it. It's by John Piper, and he wrote this book. It's called The Supremacy of God in Preaching. And there's a quote that I always share with our, our guys here, and, and I'll share it with you. This is what he says. He says, God will hide from you much of your fruit. You will see enough to be assured of his blessing, but not so much as to think you could live without it. Hmm. Sometimes God hides fruit of our labor to keep us humble and hungry and trusting in Him. And this is great encouragement for us, church. It's great encouragement for us because we may never know how God is at work, but we can rest assured that He is always at work. He is always at work. If we are using the amazing gift of the truth of the gospel in our lives, and we share how God has worked, the gospel has infiltrated our lives with others, we can be confident that God is at work. He's at work. And we can trust in that. He's at work. I love what Isaiah says about this. Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. Whereas the rain and the snow come down from heaven, they do not return there but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish, shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. God can use even the smallest what we think the smallest of stories to bring redemption. And oftentimes we never, ever know how God is at work when His people are just faithful 
just faithful. I thought about this as I prepared for this, and even wrote this down. I wonder if Paul ever considered that on February the 19th, 2023, in the cafeteria of Severance Middle School, a group of, of people would be gathered here pondering Paul's testimony. I doubt Paul ever considered us specifically. But I know what he did, he was confident in. God's at work. God's at work, and he works in and through his people. And if we would just trust in that, God works. In just a moment, we're going to take communion. And here's some things I want you to think about as we take communion. If you, if you are a Christian here this morning, here's, here's the first thing I want you to think about. I want you to consider your own story of redemption. I want you to think about, just remember how you were on your own road to Damascus, an enemy of God, and yet somebody came to you and shared the truth of the gospel. God divinely called you to himself. You saw your sin, and what you deserved was God's wrath, but you also saw, saw the glory of Christ, that and if your faith is in him, that your sin was paid for on the cross, that Jesus paid for that. I want you to think about your own story and how, how God has, has written your own story of redemption. If you're not a Christian here, I want you to consider what Christ has done for you. And I want you to consider putting your hope and trust in Him and plead with God to show you the truth here. Here's the second thing I want us to consider. Do you see Jesus as the hero in your story? Look to Jesus as the hero in your story. Here's the third one. Do we consider that what it took for God to bring us to repentance and trust in Him? All the faithful believers that continually shared the gospel, that loved you, whether it was your parents or a faithful Sunday school teacher or maybe it was somebody that came to you and go, hey man, your life is a wreck and let me tell you who can give you some hope. Consider that. And here's the last one. Are we comforted that salvation belongs to God? Man, find comfort that salvation belongs to God and we should cry out to Him that He would save. Because He does. He does. I'm going to pray for us now. I'm going to talk just a moment about communion and I'll give us some instructions for that. But praise God that we get to worship this way. Praise God that we get to worship this way. So Father, I love you and I thank you that you are a God that sees us and knows us. I pray that you are a sovereign God, that you work in ways that we can never comprehend. Father, I thank you that you, you have written and you are writing stories now. I thank you for the truth of the gospel that we get to share. I thank you for Paul's story of how he's just real with it. And he, he talks about his wretchedness before he met Jesus and how he was blinded, thinking he was going the right way, but how you came and you spoke truth to him in a miraculous way. And Father, you've done that to every one of us. You have done this miraculously to, to every one of us that have our faith in you. We didn't we didn't find you just by stumbling through it. You sought us out and you, you showed us our sin. But God, you also showed us the great love and mercy that you have for us. Through Christ Jesus. 
that you love us enough that you would pour your wrath on your son. That he would be the perfect sacrifice to satisfy your wrath so it would not be on us. And Father, help us to not make that small because it's huge. There is nothing else that can accomplish our reconciliation to you, God, but Christ Jesus. And it is amazing how you work that way. So God, help us to not make it small. And Father, for those that hear this morning that you are writing their stories, God, that you are calling them to you, Lord, I pray that that they find great joy and hope in you this morning. I pray maybe for the first time ever they take communion this morning, that they see, they see that what the cup and the bread represents, that it is Christ and Christ alone. And Father, help us to be bold in sharing this truth. And it's in Christ Jesus we pray. Amen and amen.